Before we dive on into football, we want to thank the sponsor of today's episode, Southern Cigar Co. Southern Cigar Co. is a premium cigar subscription service founded with the goal of connecting cigar lovers around the world with nothing but the best smokes. Heading into a cigar shop and choosing from a vast selection could be a daunting task. Southern Cigar Co. has developed a service that takes away the worry and the hassle while providing you with premium cigars every single month. For under $40 per month and free shipping within the United States, Southern Cigar Co. will ship four of their finest cigars right to your door, with the first box of every subscription including a triple torch lighter, a double guillotine cutter, a Boveda humidity pack, and an informational card displaying everything you need to know about your newest cigars. There's no better pairing to Sunday football and your favorite bottle of beer or glass of scotch than one of Southern Cigar Co.'s top-of-the-line smokes. With the holiday season right around the corner, the world's best cigar subscription would make the perfect gift for the cigar lover in your life. Head to southerncigarco.com and enter code PUTB for 10% off your first order. Again, that's southerncigarco.com and enter promo code PUTB for 10% off your first order. And now, back to the football. Bonjour, hello, and happy Championship Sunday, everybody. Welcome to the Pick of the Blitz podcast. The show where a guy and his former high school history teacher talk a lot about football and very little about history. I'm Justin Heyer here with Nick Bellato, and today on the Pick of the Blitz podcast, hosted live on the Locker Room app, we are talking Dolphins off season. This is going to be our our dot volume two Dolphins off season talk volume two. Talked a little bit of draft last week. Talked a little bit of free agency. A little bit of coaching uh, coaching search, and there's a lot more of that to discuss this week, but. As always with our Dolphin-centric episodes, Nick, I'm tossing it to you first. What do you want to jump into from the get-go for uh, for our uh, second volume of Dot? Can we, for the, I don't know, I don't know, the, the 40th time and we'll, what will not be the last time, talk about this whole Deshaun Watson development that has been taking place for yesterday. I think it was yesterday or two days ago. Uh, there was a tweet that yeah, went well, out. ESPN's doing a great job keeping it front and center. Why not? Yeah, we might as well jump into it, right? Um, I don't remember if it was Adam Schefter. It was somebody saying that the Jets are the preferred destination of Deshaun Watson. Uh, and then the Dolphins are the secondary choice. Um, so I, I guess what are your what are your thoughts based on the most recent kind of reportings that we're seeing on this where it seems pretty clear. I just saw this morning that Adam Schefter was tweeting that it doesn't really seem like it matters who the head coach of the Texans is. It sounds like Deshaun Watson's out regardless of, of who they hire. Um, what do you think about this fact that if Miami doesn't make a play for him, he could end up with the Jets, which is probably the worst case scenario for Miami, right? What do you, how do you feel about that as we've gone like now two weeks almost into this conversation? So, so I have, I have a lot of thoughts and feelings on this, on this whole Deshaun Watson saga. Honestly, outside of the chances he goes to Miami, I know you and I have talked about that quite a bit as to whether or not. It's the right way to rebuild and doesn't even matter because he's a superstar. So let me, I guess, uh, start off by saying and preface this with I have a lot of respect for, you know, Adam Schefter and Chris Mortensen. These guys have been doing NFL reporting for a very long time. Guys with a lot of um, prominence, guys with a lot of respect in the industry and obviously with a lot uh, louder and larger voices than, than, than you and I have. But it really is starting to feel like 
every other day, we're getting another Deshaun Watson headline, and they all are kind of saying the same thing. They're worded differently, and they might come from a different angle, but it seems as though we're just getting the same story over and over again just to keep this particular piece of news going and in the cycle over and over and over again, and it's getting annoying. Like, we get it. He's not happy. He might go somewhere. He might not. Teams are calling because he's a superstar. Why wouldn't they call? And that's it. Like, whether or not the new head coach is going to have any bearing on, on Deshaun Watson's status in Houston is, I mean, it, it's almost like it's, it's like a no-duh, and the, the coach may, may keep him there. It may not. He may be happier. He may not. He hasn't even talked to the coach yet. Like, we don't even know. We, we don't even know how he would react. So it's getting kind of frustrating, in my opinion. There's there, and there are these guys like um, talk show host Dan Celio. He's like on Twitter with 15,000 followers tweeting that the Dolphins are already offering uh, a certain draft package to Houston. And then other people are saying this is complete and total bullcrap. Everyone's just trying to keep it front and center just because it's such a large piece of news. And it's frustrating me a little bit. Like that that report that you were talking about, it was from Armando Salguero, the Miami Hale reporter, about the Jets being Watson's first option. And then Matt Miller came out. Matt Miller... Um, of course, of, of draftscat.com and, you know, an insider and said that that report is, is not true, that his sources are saying it's not true. We're, we're getting the same things from everyone just to keep this, this news front and center. And it's, I don't know if you can tell. And I think a lot of Houston Texans fans, too. Uh, you said, I don't think you can tell. I'm assuming that you said you're a little upset about this whole conversation because you kind of went out on my end. So I don't know what you're upset about. Oh, did I go out? I'm assuming. I'm assuming what you're upset about. I don't actually know what you said. <laughs> Wait, where where did uh, I lose you there? I'm, I got. Let me get you. Get back you on you the gave me right the. Here. I don't know if you can tell. Nothing. Yeah. And the Houston Texan fans. So I'm assuming it was something along the lines of you're over it. Yeah, I mean, I, do you not feel the same way? No, I do. I, I you know, I, I just would like to see some sort of conclusion to the to the conversation, right? Because I do think that the speculation is. Uh, you know, there might be some truth to it, but I also do think that it's ESPN and these random people with six followers on Twitter trying to, you know, make a bold prediction about something, get it right so that they can be famous later on. So I would like there to be some conclusion to whatever the reality of the situation is. Um, now, I, let me ask you a question. Let's assume Armando Salguero is a is a pretty reputable reporter uh, down here in Miami with the Dolphins. He's one of the best, right? Written numbers yeah. of books on the Dolphins. He, he knows his stuff. If there is any truth to the to the idea that it's either the Jets or the Dolphins, if you're Miami, we talked about this last uh, maybe last week, maybe a week and a half ago. If you're Miami, do you does your interest level change knowing that if you don't get him, the Jets do? I think you and I mentioned that briefly at the end of last week's show. and uh, Yeah, we uh, talked about it a little bit, but I want to know if that changed a little bit for you. Um, the idea that Chris Greer missing out on Deshaun Watson is worse if he goes to New York, I think is unfair, right? You don't make a blockbuster trade and completely alter the direction of your franchise because you're worried that your division rival is going to get a superstar quarterback. You make that move if you think it's the best move for your franchise, if it's the best move for your team. And if that's the case, if Chris Greer thinks that's the best move, and he's betting against the Jets, 
yeah, make sure you beat the Jets because not only is it going to be a, a big win for you in, in your estimation, be, you know, you being Chris Greer, but it also keeps him out of the hands of the Jets. If you don't think that's the right move, if you're not interested in giving three first-round picks and two, which is that likely at minimum what it'll take to get the Sean Watson, then no, you don't up your ante just to keep him out of the hands of the Jets. That said, it would suck to see him in green. It would suck to see him twice a year and Josh Allen twice a year. But you don't make that move just because it's uh, it's it's to keep him out of the hands of the other team. Also, I again, I'm not sure how much merit to give that report because another prominent reporter in Matt Miller came out and said that that's not true. He's talked to multiple sources, and it's not true. I don't even know if Armando says that he had sources on that. I don't even think he mentioned sources in the article. So I, not that I'm calling into question Armando's reporting as a whole, but there were also, I'm sure you saw on Twitter, a lot of people were very upset about the way he reported on a potential locker room rift between Tua and players, which seems like complete and total BS. Or maybe not a locker room rift, but they didn't think he was the right guy to, to be a franchise quarterback. Complete and total BS if you've heard any of these players talk about talk about Tua ever. Like it's, it's not like they just endorse him because it looks like they you know, want to endorse their franchise quarterback, they seem to love him. So, uh, I don't know. I'm, I, I, th- there's, been, there's been some sort of questionable reporting out of, out, of the, out of the Miami Herald a little bit over the past couple of weeks. I don't know if you have felt the same way. Well, I mean, with the, the, the locker room situation was obviously uh, not was great odd. for Saguaro. Yeah, it was weird. Um, but this, I, I just don't know. I mean, it's hard – Obviously, you know, people that are doing these, this kind of reporting, you, you need to – especially if they're as established as Salguero is, right? If it was yeah. some new guy off the street just like, hey, you know, throwing out these random things to try and get hot, like I was saying earlier about Twitter uh, sometimes, um, you know, it, it's one thing. But with Armando, like, I, I don't know. Even though, like, there's some questions behind it and other people have come out and spoken out against it, like – he wouldn't have written that if he didn't feel pretty good about it. You know what I mean? Because he seems like a pretty reputable guy who's not going to just public, publish crap for the sake of publishing crap. That being said, listen, you know, it, it, there, there obviously could be a lot of different things that we don't know um, about. Yeah, no, of course. You know, so. And, and he's a, you're right. He's a Hall of Fame voter. He's an APL right. pro voter. This is a, he's, he's been around the block. Right, exactly. So it's hard for me to totally call it into question, even if Matt Miller is saying, Sure. Um, you know, from his own sources, because you don't know which source. If they're not telling you which sources, you don't know. Like, you know, Matt Miller could be talking to uh, somebody in the Houston organization, and Armando may have talked to Deshaun's agent. You know, you never know. Yeah, that's totally fair. It's just but, it's it, we don't often see such conflicting reporting over such a massive piece of news all over the national right. landscape, right? The Houston local reporters are reporting different things than ESPN who are reporting different things than NFL Network, who are reporting different things than local Jets reporters, who are reporting different things than local Dolphins reporters. It's very strange. It is very strange. And it just shows you the, the you know, at the end of the day, nobody knows anything. <laughs> the, only, the only people that know anything are Deshaun Watson, and that's it. He's the only one who knows anything in this situation. Um, but going to your point about, um, you know, what I was asking you earlier, I completely agree with you. I think it would be, I think it would be a mistake for Chris Greer and this organization to go get Deshaun Watson just so the Jets don't have him, right? Um, because that's not – it's not going to – it's going to cost you more than you think if that's the mentality that you have, right? Because you're going to have to wait to hear what the Jets offer and then beat it, right? And the Jets, similarly to the Dolphins, have a significant amount of draft capital that they could throw their way, so they might make 
a really big offer. And if Miami just wants to beat out New York to Deshaun Watson, they're going to have to throw in a lot more. And then, then your rebuild is over, right? And as we're going to talk about probably in the next couple of minutes, Justin, we both know that this roster is far from complete. Yes, 10 and 6 yeah. was great. But unless Miami makes some pretty big changes uh, in certain areas of their roster, their 10 and 6 is going to be very hard to duplicate. Uh, it, it, you know, knowing that Josh Allen and the Bills are going to be there, the Patriots are probably going to rebound, and the Jets might get can't be as bad as they were, right? Um, so Miami definitely needs some other. Uh, they need some other players on this roster, and you can't you can't trade away everything for one guy as good as Deshaun Watson is. And listen, I'll be honest with you: if Deshaun Watson comes to Miami, I will be excited about it. I'm not even going to lie to you; that will be very exciting to me. Um, but you know, it, it can't come at the expense of jeopardize. It can't, you can't create the Houston Texans Southern version to get Deshaun Watson. I think what you just said is the most fair summation, the most objective summation that most Dolphins fans uh, should, even if they're telling themselves something else, probably are actually feeling inside about this whole Sean Watson situation. A lot of us are very excited by the draft capital combined with Tua, combined with Flores, combined with having gone 10-6 and six and a great defense, right, and rightfully so. Like the, the, the direction of the franchise is completely, totally, 100% pointed in the right direction, and the way Chris Green and Brian Flores probably envisioned things, short of just missing out on the playoffs this year. But Deshaun Watson's a superstar, and we'd all still be pretty excited. To see it would be awesome. Numbers. It would be awesome. Like, and listen, I, you know, Justin, I have been one of the defenders of Tua all along, um, and and critical of the decisions to bench him and all those things. But Deshaun Watson's really good at football, and even He's a few really years ago good. when he was when he was coming out of Clemson, like. I was one of the guys, and you know, I'm a nobody in the sports talk world, right? I'm, I'm not. There, are, we have, you know, our viewers or our listeners, and thank you for listening. But in reality, I'm a nobody. But I was one of the people, at least among my friend group, and I think, you know, the people that I, I that listen to us, saying Deshaun Watson is going to be a superstar in this league. He is going to be a superstar, and he kept falling and falling and falling. So I wanted Deshaun Watson for Miami years ago, uh, when he was yeah. first entering the NFL. So I'll take him now. But again, it's not worth it if you're going to become if you're going to be in the same exact problem that Houston is in right now for that one player, it's not worth it. Cuz you've seen what that can do to an organization. Nick, while we're on the quarterback talk, I have a feeling this will be a much shorter discussion. Um and yeah, I have a feeling you may even cut me off before I finish the sentence, but Matthew Stafford just requested a trade, no. uh agreed to mutually no. parlays with with Detroit is the world in which because of course it's being talked about Matthew Stafford ends up in Aqua and Orange. No, I, 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 that would be completely um, counterintuitive to everything the Dolphins have done. You know, making the trade for Deshaun Watson, you're getting a 25-year-old borderline all-pro quarterback who, can, who is a game-changing talent. If you trade anything for Matthew Stafford, 33 years old, uh, when's the last time they went to the playoffs? Exactly, right? When's the last time he finished the season healthy? Exactly. Right, Matthew Stafford, go go to New England, have a great time in New England, go to San Francisco, have a wonderful time there, but don't come to Miami because it makes there is no logic behind that. There is logic behind Watson, none behind Stafford. He should not be in Miami. I agree, and I agree with no disrespect to Matthew Stafford. He's one of the toughest, grittiest, and best quarterbacks uh, in in the NFL. He's certainly right in that top tier, top ten range. Uh, but you're right; it, it would be it would be 
pointing, it would be, you know, like I said, in the, going in the right direction, trading for Matthew Stafford would be very much veering off the road for uh, a move that wouldn't make a whole lot of sense and wouldn't jibe with what the Dolphins have done and built so far. And, uh, and in terms of, and in terms of ceiling, right? We always talk about two yeah. ceiling, like the ceiling does not improve with Matthew Stafford, right? It does with Deshaun Watson. It just does. At least at this moment, we don't know what two is going to be like, but on paper right now, it, the ceiling does get higher with Deshaun Watson behind center. It doesn't with Stafford. So there's, if you're not going to make, if you're not going to have guaranteed uh, a guaranteed upgrade, it, there makes no, it makes no sense to make a move like that. Yeah, the floor moves a hell heck of a lot higher with with Stafford. But you're right, the ceiling I think is, yeah. and it's it's tough because Matthew but Stafford see, has shown over and over again that he's a great quarterback. It's the age. It's the it's the age for me. It has nothing to do with Stafford. But Stafford. it's the age and it's the injury proneness. Right? We talked about it to his injury issues, but um, you know Matthew Stafford has missed a lot of time in his career because of injuries. He has not been able to carry a team. Right. And obviously a lot of that goes into poor uh, draft decisions and poor coaching, which granted the Lions have had a lot of over the course of his career. But Matthew Stafford is a guy that just puts up gaudy numbers and doesn't get anywhere. You know, I, I, I think of him the same way I thought of uh, Kevin Love when he was still with the Timberwolves many, many years ago. <laughs> right. A guy who put up insane numbers. And because of those numbers, he was a consistently top five uh, type player. But his team sucked. And at the end of the day, I don't want a guy who his team sucks when he's out there. You know what I mean? That's, that's a totally fair, totally fair way to put it. Trevor would certainly appreciate the, uh, the NBA reference there for sure. Oh, I missed that. That was, that was, that was always, that was always his, his thing. Right. So I'm sure, I'm sure you'd appreciate that. So let me, let me, uh, shift this in a different direction here. I want to do a little bit of of a fun game. We'll turn this into a bit of a series. I think it'd be cool to do, like three of those, uh, three of these per per episode over the next over the next bunch of episodes, retain, resign, you know, resign or let walk, is what we can uh, we can call this game. So I have the list of impending Dolphins free agents. Obviously, free agency coming up in about two months, uh, in in mid March, maybe closer to a month and a half. And Dolphins actually for uh, the first or second time in a bunch of years don't have a ton of really marquee free agents that the team will think about resigning or extending or, or whatnot, but there are certainly some fun names to go over here. Some key, uh, you know, role play guys that I think will certainly cause Chris Greer and Brian Flores to have to do some thinking about whether or not it's worth using their salary cap to retain some of these guys, keep the chemistry going or look for other free agents that are going to be in the pool from other teams. So let's start with, I think what is the biggest name on the list and certainly would have been a bigger name had he played uh, you know, he uh, for for much more of the year. Devon Godshaw, Dolphins defensive tackle. This is a guy who the team took in the fifth or sixth round of the draft four years ago, who really turned into a, a diamond in the rough, one of the team's best defensive linemen over the past half decade, and now is going to be a free agent. Missed most of the season with a torn bicep, was hopefully going to be able to come back for the stretch run, but couldn't, was potentially going to uh, play if the team made the playoffs, but they obviously didn't. Now you have two young guys in Christian Wilkins and uh, and Raekwon Davis, the team just drafted. What do you think that means for the future of Devon Gotcha? So just to clarify the game that we're playing, when you say retain, we're talking about some sort of tender uh, franchising situation? No, sorry. So re-sign. Like, should the team sign this person to a new contract because they are a pending free agent? Uh, I'll specify, I guess, Devon Gotcha is an unrestricted free agent. That means the team either has to 
sign him to a long-term deal or let him walk. There will be a couple of guys that will go over that are restricted free agents or okay. exclusive rice free agents that, you know, then tenders will come into play. And I'll explain those different tenders and how they work in the cost and whatnot. But Devon Gotcha, unrestricted free agent, he would need a long-term contract or a short-term contract, but a new contract to, to stay on okay. this team likely for a good deal of money. Okay. Just wanted to clarify. So, I, I, I'm actually, and I love Devon Godjob. I've, uh, I, I think that he's been great, but the developments that you saw out of Raekwon Davis, who was one of the better, um, one of the better defensive linemen over the course of the season, um, in the NFL, right? Uh, not just, and, and as a rookie, um, I think has made Devon Godshaw a bit expendable, right? You can see, consider the fact that you've still got Christian Wilkins on the roster, who is a, who's great run defender. Devon Godshaw really is, um, not much, much of a pass rusher, so he's a little bit one-dimensional in terms of the game that he brings, although he is very good at stuffing the run. But I think you see more, uh, potentially more upside at this point with Zach Sealer and Raekwon Davis. So unless they can sign him to a, a, a low deal, um, maybe a one-year prove-it deal, prove you can come back from injury, because he's another guy who's also been injured the last couple of seasons. Um, if you can sign him to a one-year deal uh, where he can prove it, uh, I'm cool with that. If not, I think I think I might say let him walk. Wow, really? I okay. So I'm actually surprised you said that because I know you're a Devon Gotcha fan and you're oh, also a huge Gotcha preaches buildings through the trenches. But I so I, I was I was very ready to disagree with you, but I uh, I, I agree with you. I I don't think <laughs> Devon Gotcha. <laughs> I was I was ready. I don't think Devon Gotcha. Yeah, I can tell. Uh, a, a contract extension makes a ton of sense for the exact reasons you mentioned. You have Zach Sealer who you just extended. You have Raekwon Davis, who was a a very pleasant surprise as a rookie, the team's best rookie pick so far in terms of production, and Christian Wilkins, who's been very steady for the Dolphins so far as a first-round pick. So I don't you know, think it makes a ton of sense. It's unfortunate because had Gotcha stayed healthy, he might have proved that the team uh, that he wasn't expendable, that the team really did need to keep him. But I think Gotcha will be getting you know, over 10 to $12 million a year in an extension. He was very productive as a run-stopper for uh, for the you know, the better course of three seasons for, for this team. But I don't think that contract, I don't think that money is going to come in, in Miami either. But if they, I could see the team negotiating with Gotcha. I just don't think it, it'll click because I think he'll want more money than, than Chris Greer is willing to give. No, I, I completely agree with you. I, I, I Like I said, I love Gotcha and you know me, like you, like you just said, I, I'm a firm yeah. believer in the trenches. Um, but 10 to 12 million for a guy who hasn't stayed healthy and for a guy who has is really kind of one dimensional, like I said, in, in the game that he provides, I, I just Miami can't give that kind of money out. They have too many other holes. And and Davis has proved to be um, a, a good run stuffing defensive tackle. So go with your. So let me turn you to another guy who's coming off injury someone who just signed a one-year deal to move from New England to the Dolphins in linebacker Landon Roberts, going on 27 years old, also an unrestricted free agent. He uh, signed a one-year, $2 million deal to come down to Miami, almost like a prove-it deal as well, uh, because someone who didn't have a huge role in New England that had a much bigger role in Miami. What do you think of Landon Roberts? I think he actually falls into the same uh, category as Devon Godcha. Um, I, I, in moments, you saw some a couple of, you know, good plays and you, and you saw him shine a little bit here and there over the course of the, over the course of the season, but he was no means, uh, by no means a dominant presence. I think Miami might be better suited to draft a linebacker early on um, in this, in this coming 
in this coming draft than to keep him. Again, unless you get – so I, I want to give the caveat that for the majority of the players that you're probably going to throw my way, uh, my answer is going to be if it's a one-year deal, another one-year contract, why not? Um, especially if it's low money because he's a guy you have in your system. But if we're talking in the in the range of what the average linebacker salary is, then I would – for Robert, I would say no. So th- this is what I'm torn on. Landon Roberts had – the whole linebacker core, actually – I don't know if you noticed, but during the course of the year, the snap counts for these guys varied tremendously. Like, Jerome Baker was an every-down guy for more than half of Miami's games, but then there were a couple of games where he was more like 40 to 50% of snaps. Landon Roberts fell into that right. same category, obviously with, with more of his games being on the, on the lower end, but, I mean, against New England, late in the season, he played 84% of the defensive snaps and was key in stuffing the run against, uh, against the New England Patriots and Cam Newton when the Dolphins had that, had that win in week 15. In week, in, like in week 12 and 13, he played 33 and 15% of snaps, respectively. So definitely a guy who, right. who uh, you know, was a role player depending on the game plan, but was pretty important in games where Miami uh, had to defend the run against run-heavy offenses. I, I landed Roberts in particular. I mean, you using your caveat. I like the idea of bringing him back another one-year deal. He suffered a, a bad injury at the end of the year, didn't get to finish the season with the team, and... Brian Flores loves the guy. The teammates seem to respect him, and he is very good at defending the run. He's a liability in pass coverage, but when you put him out there for obvious rundowns, I do like what he brings. So I'm going to say re-sign if you can get him on a low on a low when you're dealing using using your caveat there. Um, okay, I'm going to bring us to our uh, our final our final re-sign or extend or, or let walk. We'll come up with a better name for the for the segment, but. I have a feeling I already know your answer on this one. As sad as it makes me, and moving us to the offensive side of the ball, Matt Breida, running back, going on age twenty-six. Goodbye, Sunday. Have a uh, wonderful day. Okay, it's been fun. <laughs> I'll see you later. You've done nothing for me. Miami needs a whole new running back room. No, no, I lied. They do not need a whole new running back room. But Matt Breida is not part of the future. See you later. It, it, it hurts. It pains me, Nick, to hear you say that. I, and, and anyone who's listened to the show all season knows. <laughs> knows I like Matt Breida, but as fun as it is to watch him with the ball in his hands, uh, the coaching staff clearly did not trust him enough to put the ball in his hands very often over the course of an entire season where the running back room really suffered from injury. So, uh, listen, if that's the case, if he couldn't break in when, you know, Jordan Howard was cut and Miles Gaskin went down and Sylvan Offman was hurt, then, you know, if, if you're bringing in DeAndre, that's the DeAndre Washington to play ahead of him, then, like, that's that, that tells you, you know, I think he could be successful elsewhere, but not not with Miami. And that's the thing. Like, you're saying they didn't – like, every time he did touch the ball, it did. It wasn't good, right? And that's on – that's kind of on him. And, like, okay, most of it's on him, right? Because the offensive line wasn't the greatest in terms of well, run he, he did have some very productive but, games. But One by whose standard? By by what kind of standard, right? He, he, he didn't do anything. Yards per carry. He didn't standard. do – okay, but he – okay, so that doesn't – like, how many carries did he have over the course of the year? Yeah, so I, the, so there were one or two games where he got 10 to 15-plus carries and averaged a very healthy amount, but the other games he was used in spurts and never broke out enough to earn more touches. I'm not defending him. I'm, not, I'm saying that it's, it's on him, you know, that, that he, he did not earn the trust of the coaching staff to get more carries. Uh, I, I do think he could be successful elsewhere because he was very successful uh, in, in San Francisco, though obviously you have to know that Kyle Shanahan is there running that offense, but... Um, he'll he'll stick elsewhere. He'll get another deal. It's just uh, the the experiment is over in Miami. Yeah, I I, I agree. It's, if you can't beat out undrafted rookies like Salvin Ahmed, 
then then there's there's something you're just not gelling with the system. So I think Matt Breida yeah. is uh, is man, we were three for three on nose today, weren't we? Well, I, I guess I was two and a half because if if they can get a Landon Roberts on another short term cheap deal, if, sure. they, if it's another one year two million deal, sign me up. I think he'll probably try to get more than that after having had that you know prove it year this year. But I, I guess we'll sort of see. We'll sort of see with that. I mean, when the team traded for DeAndre Washington, that that was it. Like that's how you knew. You were like Matt Breida sure. is not is not. You know, if the team thinks they need to make an in season addition through trade for a guy that you know is not the future in DeAndre Washington, then that the writing was on the wall there for for Matt Breida. Could couldn't agree with you more. Alrighty, I know we'll have a, a bunch more fun ones here to to run through, but I think I think we'll keep it at three per episode just to, to keep it interesting and for, for us to have some. Dolphin-centric free agent talk. You know, I mean, we we can speculate all day on whether Allen Robinson, Chris Godwin, or, or Kenny Galladay will, will be coming in, but this gives us a bit of a Dolphins focus to free agency as well. So we'll we'll extend this into into other episodes as well. Anything else you want to jump on? You want to cover before we pause this till next week and get ready for the games on Championship Sunday? So for me, the only other thing I wanted to talk about was draft stuff, but I think we should table that till next week. Um, sure. let's get, you know, we got, we got some big games here, uh, coming up. So let's, let's get some, let's get ready for them. Yeah. Let's go, let's go put some extra beers in the fridge and be ready to roll. I love it. So we'll have a lot of actually draft conversations to talk about. Everyone look forward to that because the senior bowl is coming up. The Dolphins, obviously the coaching staff is going to be there. Brian Flores and company. Uh, we're still waiting on an offensive coordinator. So I know we were going to potentially, uh, be discussing that today, but there's still offensive coordinator signing to discuss and we've speculated plenty on potential candidates but one more last note i guess before we go dolphins brought in a quarterbacks coach i i, I forgot i wanted to mention this who worked with tua oh, right. in his in his uh in his rise to stardom before he became the superstar at alabama which is is pretty big because i think it shows some I, I think it's the tua connection there that i'm sure obviously helped that help that hiring get made um I, i'm I, i'm sort of walking around the name because I'm, I'm blanking on it at the moment but Charlie um, Fries from the college ranks. Yes, thank you, Charlie Fries. Right. So the, uh, the I think that's definitely good news for Tua's development, and it wouldn't surprise me if it means the team already has an offensive coordinator in mind. But either the guys in the playoffs, so they can't sign him yet, or they just haven't worked out the contractual details because you don't really start rounding out your offensive staff until you have your offensive coordinator. But that remains to be uh, to be seen, and I'm sure we'll be covering that as the team makes more coaching related announcements over the course of the next week or so. Yeah, and I think Fry would be is an interesting choice because, like you said, I think I think for this offseason, it needs to be assuming there's no trade for Deshaun Watson, it needs to be focused on how do we bring out the best in Tua. That includes bringing in coaching staff that has worked with him in the past if they're available, and getting him some weapons he might know. Hello, Devontae Smith. <laughs> exactly. All right, so we will get into that more later uh, in this coming week, but uh, let's jump off and uh, get ready for Championship Sunday to. Uh, to everyone who is listening, we'll be back next week on the Locker Room app. We'll be talking about, of course, recapping these Championship Sunday games. We will be discussing more Dolphins offseason talk. And then as we get closer to Super Bowl Sunday, we'll be, of course, here on the Forget the Blitz podcast previewing that Super Bowl matchup. Uh, but thank you very much for listening, and we will see you all next week. Thanks, guys. <laughs>